0: Leopold to the right hand, puts her down, he's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: welcome to 3 two, one. Warrior.
2: My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. emergency?
1: Someone overdosed, what's the address?
2: I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women who have lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Leibold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery
1: what
2: is going on welcome
1: hockey to hell and back
2: episode number
1: 121
2: this is a jam man shout out chad charles campbell for hockey to hell and back available on spotify Thank you. If you're watching live, if you're listening after the fact, thank you so much. I don't have a whole lot to talk about off the hop. We're on a little bit of a time crunch, maybe even a two-parter, I hear. It's in the works, but we're gonna deal with part one right now. And I am beyond excited uh for this episode. This is one that, you know, I feel for me on a personal level is one that I've been dreaming of for a long time for a number of reasons and I think it dates back to childhood watching him play for my hometown Vancouver Canucks. And of course, all the incredible work that Corey Hirsch has done uh, in the last few years, sharing his story uh, very courageously. His book is incredible. I've listened to it on Audible. I didn't get a chance to read it. I, I took it in an Audible and it was it was really great, actually. It was one of the first books that I listened to and I really took it all in. And, and honestly, wow, as somebody who has struggled so much of it, um, you know, i relate to and i know that's the same for so many people and that's why it's so important to have these conversations so without further ado let's just get right into it we'll bring him in the man Corey hirsch welcome
3: oh well, welcome thank you it's uh great to be on my friend uh not sure how we're both still alive but we are
2: no uh, kidding
3: means that you know we're here for a reason and got to help people so that's uh your story is pretty cool too and it's uh it's really good to see what you're doing i, I follow you on insta and watch you there and man it's impressive you know just trying to help people and and because it can happen to anybody you know all this stuff
2: yeah thank you for those kind words it means a lot especially coming from you and and i'll echo that right back to you and man i listening to your book it just uh, you know what a lot of stuff for me really started to click and, and put things into perspective and it's it's interesting how sometimes you can hear the sa- almost the same thing many times prior but you hear it a certain way or said it. From a certain person coming from that perspective, and you're just like, "Wow, it clicks." And I just want to say thank you for for being so brave and sharing your story. And and I know a lot of people, everyone I've talked to that's read it, they're like, "Incredible book." And and how's that experience been? I'm kind of in the process of trying to get my story down on paper, and I'm kind of curious how that journey was for you, having to relive
3: all of that. Yeah, you know what? It um, you have obviously someone help you write it. I mean, I can't I can't write at that level. But who knows your story better than you? right so it's important that like what i did was a guy named kevin shea gave me the base of the book kind of gave me an idea but he wrote more of a hockey book and then what i did was i added everything else in like i the only one i know my story better than anybody so um after that you know yeah i hired a guy sean Conboy who did the same helped me with the article in the players tribune um And then they just add, you know, the descriptive words to make it come to life. And man, did he do a great job. And it it was almost freaky because I'm sitting there like, were you sitting there with me? Like he wrote it. Like I was like, it was almost to a T exactly how he got it. Um, And the book has turned out uh, better than I could imagine. Uh, But it's different than an article, as you know, right? When you write a book, uh, people have to buy it. They have to read it. And it takes a long time to get feedback, whereas my players Tribune article it was instant like it hits and it goes viral but you know just getting your story out there man um you help so many people and that is so cool.
2: Yeah and I think that's kind of what you you talked about in different times in your book and I want to get to that. I, I, I wanna kind of open with the the opening kind of epilogue. It, it's um you know that's a really heavy moment. I don't know if you mind going back there, but there was a time in your life where you were you were done like you were you were ready to leave this earth. And I've been there, too. And, um, you know, you think back to to that moment and, and where you are today and the people you've helped and, and the life you've lived. Is it kind of hard to to go back there and, and realize that that was how you were feeling at one time in your life?
3: Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's it's an interesting when I look back and I think about that time. Um, I, I look back now and I'm like, I didn't want to die. I, I, I didn't. But i saw no way out like i saw no way out i was like all right so you know so you get to the point where you just like i I remember that day and i say this like i went numb emotionally like i had no ocd no anxiety no nothing like just no feeling at all and it was like i'm done you know there's no way out there's no hope um there's no help and so that's how i ended up in that position but to say that I wanted to die that day, I, I, I don't really believe that, which is probably why I'm still here. Um, and I'm glad because it there is help and there is hope, but I'm not sure, you know, when I ask you the same question, like, you know, you're probably, uh, you know, I don't know your story as well as mine, but um, I don't know if you wanted to die per se, or if you were just at a point where it was like, just, you know, no other way out. You know, and and you get to the point where not that you don't care, but you're just like, there's no other way out.
2: Yeah. And, and I can totally relate to that. And many times where I just felt like there was no other option. It's not that I want to be in this position and feeling this way, but the pain and everything I'm going through, like you, you can't even think clearly in those moments and lucky in your case, you, you know, you skidded your car and, and it was the difference of 200 feet between life and death. Right. And, and, like you said at the beginning, very lucky because it could have ended in in a just a devastating tragedy. Yeah. Sorry, Hershey. I just want to, you know, for people that haven't read the book, like maybe talk about that time in your life because on on the outside looking in, I mean, your life was looking pretty good at that time too. You're playing in the NHL, right? You just or or in with the Rangers, maybe not playing, but you're there in Stanley Cup run, right? In and around that time.
3: Yeah. So I was. I mean, I was kind of. I was on my way. I, I, we won a Memorial Cup uh junior uh my first year pro I was rookie of the year goalie of the year and then that year um was my second year pro, I was 21, just won a silver medal at the Olympics, drank out of the Stanley Cup, and you couldn't tell me how great my life was. You, you couldn't, and that's the message that I try to get across too is, is that you know when you're in that state, it doesn't matter. Like your brain is not, you're not getting a positive thought in. Um, and it doesn't matter how great your life is. Like you could point out to me or somebody else, Hey man, you know what? You got this great life. Why is it? Why is it like this? Why is it like that? You know, you should be this and that. When people do that to other people in the same sense, they're trying to help, but you're actually making people feel worse because you're right. Why do I feel this way? And it just felt even worse uh, as a human being, because I don't know what's going on in my brain. And like I said, I had all these great things happening, but but my my, my mind wasn't working properly. I uh, couldn't get a positive thought in, and um, you know, so I, I tell I encourage people to just just listen, you know, when people are in that state. Um, and that's the that's the really messed up part is is like he's like yeah, I was on my way to playing in the NHL consistently, like um, you know, my career was going on the up and up, and you could not tell me how great my life was. Like it did not matter because. When your mental health is not functioning or is gone, you know, it it doesn't matter. It it really doesn't.
2: And, And for you, that was like new territory. You talk about it in the book. I don't want to give the whole book away. I think everyone needs to read it or listen to it. In my case, you talk about it in the book as it wasn't something that you had dealt with prior to. You had this just phenomenal junior career. You feel great. And then there's just one day where you get this thought in your mind and maybe just, so people have a little bit of an idea, kind of explain like what was happening and then eventually what you kind of figured out what it was and the journey that it took. Cause it took 13 years to get, you know, some, some answers, right?
3: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, looking back, there was always, you know, different things leading up. So, you know, um, you know, I was an anxious kid. I had focus issues and all that stuff um but it was 21 years old and there's people with OCD that can tell you exactly where they were what they were doing the time and place when things just kind of change and go dark um and that was kind of you know me but looking looking back um I probably was susceptible to a few things leading up to that but I mean all all of a sudden things just went south in a hurry Um, which is why I preach um early diagnosis, right? Like early diagnosis, getting help, getting getting the help in our schools. Like we got to get this in our schools, we gotta help kids, you know, we gotta be able to give them the information. And And I'll say this, Brady, like if I'd have been educated in high school, middle school on what OCD was, depression, anxiety, all those things. I would have never ended up in that place where I was on that cliff where I wanted to end my life. I would have never ended up there. I would have known, okay, this, you know, might be this, let's go get some help. Instead, why was that information withheld from me? You know, and I'm sure it's the same for you. Why was I not taught about this stuff? Why was I not taught that hey, you can go get help for this? And today we are still doing a disservice to our kids by not giving them that information, right? Because it leads to places. It leads to alcohol and drugs, mental health. It leads to, you know, mental health issues. And, you know, we could save so many lives by just giving kids the information today if we do. And that's what I'm out there trying to do. And I see you're trying to do the same thing.
2: Yeah, but you, yeah, I appreciate that. And you are, but you also did that within your own household you talk about it in the book. I don't know how much you want to get into that or how much of it or whatever, Hershey, but you took it upon yourself early intervention with one of your children and you've seen incredible results because you were one of the ones that were like, hey, I'm going to talk to my kids about this. I'm going to educate them and I'm going to make sure that if anything's going on, they know they can come to me and that really changed things for for your your daughter, right?
3: Absolutely. And the only reason it was like that is because I knew what happened to me and that there's a, there can be genetic linkage to mental health. Um, but yeah, and it's so, we just had, I told my kids from a young age, Hey, something funky is going on in your brain, thoughts, whatever. Hey, just come to me, right? Like we'll, we'll get you some help. We'll get it fixed. So one of my children, uh, has been diagnosed with OCD and they will never get to that place that I did where I wanted to take my own life just because of early diagnosis, uh, getting the help that they needed. Now, that child still struggles sometimes, just like I do. Right. I got to take care of me. Um, but they will never get to that place that I got to because they know what's going on. They know what it is. Right. The reason I got to that place because I had I, I had no idea what it was. No idea. All I knew was. I couldn't tell anybody and that, you know, I felt like there was no help or no hope. So, you know, that's taking away the stigma of what we're doing today. And Man, get it in the homes, get it in the schools. We can save a lot of kids' lives.
2: Yeah, I I, I 100% agree. And it's a really good point that, you know, people who have mental illness will uh, at different times continue to struggle, but it looks completely Different, where it's in a more manageable way, especially if you have those supports and, and and people are kind of aware and and they're talking about it, it really changes the scope of of the course of somebody's life. Um, uh, there's so many, I don't even know where to go. You, I've never had this many notes for a podcast in my entire life because <laughs> I've just like, holy, I'm I'm like listening like that. And we need to talk about that. I'm not I'm not kidding. If you're watching, if anybody knows me, I never have notes, and I have three pages of notes in my brain. Well, that's why we're
3: going to do a two-parter, right? Yeah. That's why we're, doing, we're going to do another
2: one. For sure. 100%. Um, just quickly, too, but just I want to go back to Junior because I kind of skipped through that a little bit. You did have, um, you know, when because you weren't drafted, you were passed up twice in the NHL draft. You still, and I think it's important because I have a lot of young listeners listening to who get passed up in the OHL, or the WHL draft, or the NHL draft, and they think their dreams are over. And that's how you felt when that happened to you. That was maybe one of the first times that you really had those feelings like you, you didn't want to be here anymore and you didn't know who you were because all you had this one dream. And when it didn't come true, that was maybe the first. Instance you had with a suicidal ideation?
3: Yeah, that was my my first year. I didn't um, I didn't get drafted. Actually, second year I did end up in the eighth round. So that's like not getting
2: drafted. That's drafted. right. I'm sorry. Seriously, yes, and like like you heard it on the radio. So no you radio. Heard, heard it on the radio.
3: I heard yes. it on the radio. But no, it, the first time, yeah, because my identity was wrapped up in hockey, right? Like, I mean, that's all I did. That's all I knew. And that's where people liked me. Um, you know, I always felt as a kid. Um, you know, I didn't. I had lots of friends, but I just never felt comfortable. I never felt, you know, the what where I felt comfortable was on the ice because I was good. And that's where people, you know, wanted me. Right. Um, so, yeah. So when that didn't happen my first year, um, it was tough to take. It was a hit to my ego, huge hit to my ego, but it goes back to the saying of, you know, you need more than just a sport, right. You need more than just education. Like, you need to diversify yourself. But I will say this, Brady, um, hockey, people ask me if hockey did this to me, hockey saved my life, man. It really did. It taught me resilience. It taught me courage and it's heartbreaking to hear the stories that are happening in junior hockey right now, because, um, hockey's a great game, you know, and it's the game, isn't the problem. Some people within it have taken advantage of it. Right. Right. The game is a great game. It, it it friendships, how to work with other people, resilience, courage, how to keep going, um, and you know. And and I'll ask you the same question back. I mean, you know, did hockey help you through what you went through? Because it's the reason I am here today. Still,
2: it got me through everything even when I was out of the game I'm telling you it was as crazy as this may seem when I was homeless when I was in jail a lot of the things that I learned throughout that that pushing through you talk about resilience and perseverance and and even sometimes special favors just because I was the hockey player when I was in jail like it saved me in situations literally and then you also mentioned too in your book about how when you were ready to ask for help or at least share your story, when you did that in the player's tribune, all of a sudden this community, this hockey community, especially rallied around you. And I saw the same thing happen when I decided to share my story. So again, I I will say the same thing. Hockey saved my life on numerous occasions.
3: It's amazing because all those people I was afraid to tell and share my story with all the same people that were like, Oh man, I I wish I'd have known. I, I, I wish I would have known, but you know, my when those things happened to me, it was early nineties. And there was a, there was still a stigma, man. And, and, yeah. you know, and, and, even, even, even your generation, t- the same thing, right. It's still carrying over as, as an, it's getting better. Um, but we still have a ways to go. Right. And it's that manly thing, right. It, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I don't have any problems or whatever, you know, just suck it up, all that stuff. Well, dude, you can still be a man and go play hockey and get in a fight or shoot a gun or whatever and get help. Right. Yeah. Be, getting help is a strength. It's not a weakness. Right. That's yeah. I didn't get to the NHL because I had nobody help me. I had tons of people help me. Right. Yeah. Same thing in life, man. You know what? That we're here to learn from each other.
2: Yeah. I, I love that. And in the toxic masculinity, I don't know if I like to use that yeah, I phrase. Like that. I, not so much, but there is some, some sort of, um, you know, at least I'll speak on my experience and, you know, it, you move away from home, you're playing junior hockey and that's where you're learning, a lot of what you think is the way you need to be. And there was countless times I remember being on the bus and I was uh, a bit of an introvert. I, I tried my best to not let people know that because I didn't, you, again, so many things in your book, man, you talk about how teammates would maybe think you were an asshole or this or that because you know they didn't know what was going on. Same thing for me. They thought I was lazy. They thought I was this. They thought all these things, but they had no idea that my anxiety and my depression and different things at different times were... That's why I was acting that way, and I felt like I couldn't talk to them. And I, so I would lay on the bus long ways, like under the seats. I'm sure you know the uh, long oh, aisle. And countless nights, man, I would put my head in my pillow and I would just cry. I would just sob my eyes out in the dark by myself, thinking to myself, like, "Well, this is pretty manly crying by yourself." When, at uh, much to your point, asking for help and allowing people in, and just. Getting that off my not just knowing that I didn't have to carry that with me by myself anymore on my own changed my life forever.
3: Oh, buddy, I'm so sorry, because I, I know those nights. I had a few of those on the bus myself, right? Um, and and you know, it's um it's hard to hear, but it it's so true. It, it's like, you know, but I bet you there was more kids on your team than you even knew that were going through the same thing. Hey, okay? like well, yep. but, you don't realize that until you share it. How many people are just like you that, that, you know, doesn't matter if you're playing in the NHL or whatever, we're all humans. We all go through it, but you know, until we start sharing it and people start sharing back, like it's, it's amazing how many people you learn, um, have the same struggles as you do and struggled at the same time, but we're all so scared to say anything, right? It's, it's, um, But that's how we're going to get better as a society is is normalizing these conversations because mental health doesn't discriminate. As you know, it doesn't care if you're a lawyer, a doctor, an NFL player, an NHL, a construction worker, you know, it does not care how much money you have or anything. So, you know, we need to start normalizing these conversations.
2: Yeah, and and it's, you know, the work that you've done and continue to do and and some of the stuff that I do. And and there's a whole collection of amazing people that are breaking down the stigma. And that even goes like it. You don't have to be a public sort of figure in in the mental health space. It's just about showing up for people. If you're at work or you're at the ice rink or whatever, just have conversations with people. And that's why I don't know if you've seen like some of the, the clothing that I've made and, you know, with Puck Support and these messages. And, you know, that to me is I get these messages where it's like, Mental health over hockey, and they'll call. They'll get a message. Brady today at the rink. Instead of you know me and another dad complaining about the coach and ice time and everything else. Guess what? I found out that he's bipolar, and you know I have anxiety. And instead of bitching about the coach, we were actually having a human conversation. And 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 it's those moments that we don't have to do it on a grand scale. It's amazing what a conversation can do, and can honestly sometimes save a life. And I I always tell people, if you think someone's you know if something's going on dig in a little bit don't just accept that they're good or everything's fine if you're really you know you know them and you can see something's off it's it's really important you know to 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 be there for them and i think that's another thing we need to teach people you know how to do and and that goes with the education system is just teaching people not just how to deal with their own mental health issues but how to, to deal and react in situations where somebody else might be in a crisis or struggling
3: well, here's what I always say when I do my talks. If you want someone to open up to you, share some of your own story, right? When you share some of your own story, that's when people feel safe to talk to you, right? That's when they'll know, hey, this person's just like me. They've gone through their struggles. Um, and that's how, you know, initially I opened up, was I, 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 a, a player I wrote in my book uh, that was an active player that was in, was in a rehabilitation center. And I was like, what do you, what are you in rehab for? And I thought it was a knee or something. He's like, no, I'm, I'm in a treatment center. I'm like, so I went for coffee with him, And sure enough, I mean, we started opening up to each other. And next thing, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, this is something that a lot of people suffer from, which started the process of the book and all that stuff. Up until that point, Brady, I felt completely alone. I'd never met anybody like me that had had OCD or mental health issues. I never told anybody other than my family, anybody. I I never talked about that day. I made a suicide attempt for until the Players' Tribune article came out. I never said a word to anybody. And then once I met that other person that shared with me, I felt comfortable enough like, hey, I'm not alone out there. And that's how we're going to get people to open up.
2: Yeah, and that's sort of what sparked this whole journey of, of being, uh, I, I don't know if I like, I like the word mental health advocate, but it's really, I think, was that the moment where you realized, one, yes, that you're not alone, but two, your story has has great ability to help others who are struggling?
3: Yeah, you know what I, you know, what my, my initial thought was leaving that conversation was, holy shit, like, this is deadly. Like, I thought I was the only one, right? Like Like, mental health can be deadly, and we don't treat it that way right? Like we treat it like, uh, you know, anxiety and depression, ah, you know, this and that, we just won't talk about it. But man, like suicide rates are off the charts. Um, you know, and, and people that struggle with mental health, it is a deadly issue. And, and we haven't looked at it like that as a society. And until we do, um, you know, we're going to be stuck in that stigma. And um, suicide has to not be a taboo word in people's homes, right? people think oh if i talk about it and i don't know if you get this but sometimes i've gone into schools where parents have actually pulled their kids out of my talk. Yeah. Because if i talk about suicide then they're going to their kids are going to get an idea about it. Well guess what? If i'm talking about it and your kids have an idea, they've been thinking about it for a while. They didn't just think about it that day and are going to go the next day and do something. Yeah. But here's the thing, it's been statistically proven that talking about suicide actually creates less suicide and helps not talking about it and burying it under the rug is where people are going to end up in that situation so you know it it needs to change that that whole conversation needs to change
2: yeah people need to understand that and i do similar things you know with schools and different organizations and there's always there's always people who are like i don't know if we can i don't know if we can have this topic in our school or in our with our players I'm like well you you better like yeah. you better have these conversations because if you're the teacher and you're really trying to empower this next generation or you're a principal usually for me I've heard it's the principals that you know make these calls and and they're like oh we don't want to talk about this and play it safe if you're in a leadership role and you're not taking the initiative to have these conversations and bring people like you or myself or Kendra Fisher there's many options or just even in their own school be, be proactive in some way and making sure that this dialogue and it can't just be like a one day thing. I don't know about you, but I, I don't remember anything about mental health from school. But I do vaguely remember now that I've thought about it a few days here and there where we learned about drug abuse and, and alcohol. But really, it was you know, they just checked the box. Oh, we did a day of it, and that's it. Like, I had no idea what the effects of drugs and alcohol could really do on my life you know because i was never educated in it and it's you know what i mean and it almost cost me my life and it all comes back to mental illness and mental health issues why i was using drugs and alcohol in the first place but guess what i didn't know that until recently either so maybe if i knew that i had all these some of these issues you know depression anxiety bipolar i tried not to acknowledge that one as much but you know they basically threw the book at me, but at least if I knew that I wasn't alone and that, you know, I have a, a disease or an illness, whatever you want to refer to it as that, maybe you should stay clear of drugs and alcohol because you are at a higher risk. I never heard any of that.
3: Well, it was long. matters. It was say no to drugs. Yeah. Okay. Well, why? <laughs> yeah. Right? Why? You know, you say no to drugs, but what's the underlying issue as to why someone is going to go towards drugs. Right. Um, you know and it's just it boggles my mind how um yeah we, we didn't we, we do our kids a disservice and you're right like my that was my the the whole say no to drugs campaign okay well you know what if a kid is going to say yes to drugs typically there's something going on how about we get to the root of the conversation um you know, i have a ton of questions for you as well but yeah. you know it's like uh, it, you know i'm so sorry you got to that place where you felt like that and, and um you know my heart goes out to you and for you to to go through what you went through man and then to be able to sit here and talk to me like it's um and be able to do what you're doing i mean changing lives man changing lives through your own story and i can't even imagine what it must have been like to be on hastings and i see those people today and we need to stop shaming people for going into treatment right like you know oh they're they're an alcoholic or just another addict or whatever no they didn't just wake up you don't be a five-year-old and go, Hey, I want to, I want to be an alcoholic or I want to, I want to be a, you know, I want to be addicted to heroin or whatever. Like, no, that doesn't happen. Something traumatic has happened and put these people there. Right. And we need to start understanding that, like, that encouraging people to go into treatment, to get their trauma sorted Mm -hmm. out and solved, is the best route is, is how we're going to help these people, you know, not by shaming them. Like Hastings is heartbreaking. Now, I do say this too, Brady, like they, if you're in that situation, that person has to be a part of their own recovery.
2: Yeah. Amen.
3: And, and, and some people aren't ready for that. And some people are never going to be ready for that. However, if we can understand that this trauma that has put them there, right. Not, not just a, a, a life choice, right. Like, and what you went through and the mental health issues that you had, that's what put you there, right? I mean, and understand that people, these people need help. Stop shaming them for, for going into treatment.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. And it's every single person that I've, pretty much met on Hastings and I was down there for close to a year. So you can imagine how many people I met. It wasn't just like a one night ordeal. I was living in a tent and sometimes a cardboard box had a shopping cart multiple times. I can kind of chuckle about it now, but you know, all the people that I met down there, you know, we had a lot of powerful conversations because that's a, that's a zone that's free of judgment. And that's why so many people end up down there because they're hurting and they are self-medicating with drugs or alcohol. And down there, you can kind of do it with another group of people or with a group of people who are all kind of the same. So I, I met a lot of incredible people, people who had so much trauma. Most people couldn't even begin to understand what they've gone through. You know, I went through some horrible shit. But to hear some of the stories down there, I'm like, wow, like I, I can't even imagine. And some of the best people, like the best, like they're not bad people, talented people. And they get labeled as bad people or like they're, they're making the choice to be down there. And certainly I was guilty of that. I grew up in down in that area, not right down there, but close enough where I saw it a lot. And I would do the same thing. I was judging them and, and everything else. But it's one thing to help the people who are struggling as we move forward. But I really think, and this echoes what you said earlier too, is we need to be Proactive. Like we need to make sure that because there's a whole nother young generation coming up that we we have a great responsibility to do a better job uh, providing the right tools for them. And there's going to be people who are traumatized and being traumatized. I mean, it's, it's happening every day, tragically, but it happens. But their outcome doesn't have to be, you know, one like mine or one of suffering, feeling alone. I really feel like if people can help people and start to empower one another, the, the amount of healing that will take place is infinite.
3: You know what? What I learned when my hockey career was over was um, nobody was looking for Corey Hersh anymore, mm. Right. And that was a harsh reality because I talked earlier, my, my whole identity was wrapped up in it. So yeah. I spent 10 years, you know, in and out of depression and all that. And then when my story came out and my article came out, it finally hit me that the meaning of life is to help other people. We, we're learning from other people. And my life has changed so much. You know and you get it back tenfold when you help somebody else they help you and it, it's what makes the world go around and that's it's not only about that but it's you know we need to help these people we, we really do um you know it's it's heartbreaking and i talk about the stigma on medication and i don't know where you stand on medication but you know i there's so many great things and, and i don't push farm or anything but i'll see parents fighting over whether or not to medicate their child And, you know, for whatever reason it is, and I've seen it with OCD and they're fighting over it and the kid has no quality of life. He's got no friends, can't go to school. And I'm like, just give the kid a chance. Right. And I'm looking actually now into plant medicines, all those things. Um, You know, ketamine treatments are are great. There's a lot of great things coming with plant medicine. Hopefully we can get them legalized, but there's so many great options And we don't educate people on them. You know, we don't, we make people, we shame people for being on meds. Why? Like something in my brain doesn't work properly. I didn't ask for that, right? So I need a medication, just what it is, right? I didn't ask for that. Um, Why am I shamed and made fun of for being on meds? Like I'd rather be here, be good for my kids, my friends, or roll the dice and let's see what happens. Um, And that needs to change too, right? 100%.
2: one 100%. And I'm I'm in the position where I've been a very strong advocate for plant medicine, especially, and it was weird for me. I've had Riley Cote and Ryan Vandenbush and uh, a few others who are, are really in that space and, and done some incredible work to break down the stigma of plant medicines, natural remedies that have been sort of blackballed, if you will. I don't think we're allowed to say that anymore, but whatever. Um, there's so many things you can't say now. I'm going to get cancelled maybe. But <laughs> <no>. <clears throat> But I'm an advocate for whatever works for you, right? I don't want to – I only share my experience, and I've I've tried many different medications, and I'll be honest, a lot of them I was – I was instant. I want instant gratification. Like I want to feel better now. And if a medication need, needs two weeks or three weeks to get into my system and start to work, then it's not working. And that was sort of my mindset yeah. from the time I was 18 to, you know, early 30s. I'm 35 now. And I never, you know, maybe one time in my life really gave him a med- medication a chance. But I've, I'm all for supporting it. I, I've seen and heard, I have, a, as you probably do, a vast network of people who are on medications, different forms of medications. And I've heard some work for others, and then they need to try something else. And I think that's really important, is that just because something works for me, works for you, doesn't mean it's going to work for him or her, right? And that is just the, the fact that we should be encouraging people to you know seek medication and i think you talk about this in your book too we can't just rely on the meds and therapy has been really effective for you over the course of a number of years but again took you many years to find the right therapist or, or um psychiatrist
3: yeah and, and that's part of the issue right now is, is that it takes too long right i mean all of these stuff but you got to keep going you got to keep fighting it's worth it there's treatment there's always a path ahead um you know and and you know, we could get into the conversation of plant medicine a little later because I'd love to hear more about that. But I'm a believer in hey, what works for you? Do it. You know, yeah. do it. Like, you know, we, we don't shame people for cancer and taking the medications because they need it to live. Well, guess what? If I don't have med- if I don't have medications or whatever, I don't know if I'm gonna live, right? So I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do to stay alive. And people, we don't see it like that. We we need to start seeing it like that. People are doing it, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's things that are overprescribed and all that. But, you know, there's people struggling that need this stuff. And, and we need to stop shaming them, like help them out, right? Give them a chance. Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of different routes, uh, you know, of, of taking a look. But even if you're doing, even if your plant medicine's your thing, therapy is still another thing to use with it, which is, you know, they go hand in hand. Whatever medication you're on. Like, therapy still helps. It's still effective. What we need is we need more of it. We need more help. We're we're so far behind. Uh, People struggle to find the resources. And, you know, we need to do that. I'm trying to encourage our youth to go into psychiatry, to go into psychology, um, because there's such a shortage of it everywhere.
2: That's a really good point. Uh, I'm going to take that with me, too, and and start to encourage people. And, you know, therapy can be... um, it it can be a lot. It's something that I know for myself, like I I've done a little bit of it over the years. I mean, quite a bit, maybe it's not like once or twice, but I, in the grand scheme of things, a little bit. And there was times where I I'm, I'm in it and I'm doing it. And I'm like, Hey, I got this, I got this beat. Like I'm, I'm good. Or I don't need to take these meds anymore therapy. And like, Man, every single time it comes back to kick me in the ass. And I think that's been a little bit of your experience. Before I forget, because I'm often forgetful, you kind of had this call to action in your book, if you will, saying – that we need more specialized mental health practitioners because it took you 13 years to really find that person who specialized in OCD, uh, particular, you know, that you talk about pure O and, and everything that you've gone through, that somebody is actually educated and understands and knows and how to treat what's going on with you, because too often, I think people go into uh, a GP, let's say, and they'll walk out with uh, a, a depression medication or whatever, when that doctor really wasn't specialized to give that medication. But that person, I've been this person, is under the understanding that, hey, this is this doctor knows what they're doing. And I'm not saying that oh, none of them do or don't know, but generally speaking, they don't have that training or that specialized knowledge. And same thing if you even go to therapists, like that, I like the call to action where you're like, it should be easier to find people who can treat OCD or anxiety or depression. And sometimes it's a combination of both, but I thought that was a really great point.
3: Yeah, you know, my, my thoughts are too, is, is that like, if, if you know in hockey i got my shoulder gets all bummed up well i can't go see the knee surgeon like why yeah. would you do that right i'm going to see the shoulder guy it's the same in mental health like you know i, I think a doctor your gp is a great place to start your family doctor but yeah. from there it's a referral
2: that's right, right. yeah
3: to uh, a psychiatrist or somebody that then it's a and then it's got to be okay you know this is what we think this person has let's go to an ocd specialist and if that's not it, let's rule it out, you know, and then from there, you know, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. So if you end up diagnosed with something, um, you know, it's, it's important to go see somebody that specializes in that. Now, mental health isn't just one thing, typically, like I have yeah. ADHD, OCD. I have some other traits. Right. So, you know, it's important to have a good psychiatrist for one. And it's important to have a good psychologist, somebody that can help you, um, you know, so that's kind of the route that that i've gone i'm continually searching and the issue with mental health is is that it's very difficult it's like a dart at you know throwing a dart a lot of times we need more research we need more psychiatrists we need more psychologists um we just need more more help in that direction at least we're getting there now um but we're we're so far behind you know we're 50 years behind um so you know that's i encourage Like I say, encourage your youth to get into it because we need more and more of everything.
2: That's such a great point. We got about five minutes till I'm going to let you go. You got to go get your daughter from the airport. Maybe we can do part two soon. Um, But Maybe, maybe I'm curious like how how you're doing today. I mean, you're out there, you're you're speaking, uh, you're sharing your story kind of uh all over different parts of Canada virtually. Uh you've written the book. Um, you know, I know that you know there's probably some days that are better than others, but we didn't really get into a a ton of your story. And I would really strongly suggest everybody uh pick up the book or get it on Audible, whatever you gotta do. I'm telling you right now, there's there's so if if you're enjoying this conversation and, and you're, you're you're curious or you're one of us who are in the, the world of maybe battling some mental health issues, it is it's just a phenomenal book. And even if you're not and you have someone, a loved one, I think it does. A, you do such a great job. Um, but I just I'd love to hear how you're doing today because, you know, I, I listened to the book and. Those voices on repeat, that loop, man, that's me. Different kind of uh, ideologies maybe behind it. Some of them very much the same, I'll just say. Um, but that loop, that voice, that constant, like, and, and I, I, it happens to me all the time where I just get obsessed on something and I can't, and it's so detrimental to me and everybody else around me. So I'm curious, before we let you go, how you're doing today and how's it been out there sharing your story? Yeah,
3: you yeah. know what, and I'm going to be honest with you because it doesn't, doesn't help if I'm not um i probably i've I've struggled again for the last couple months um Mm. but this is what i know is is that i'll get back into my programs i'll get back into my therapy you know maybe get back into a uh maybe medication or something right like i know what to do now and i'm back on the path to to doing amazing again but you know I, i i had a couple of tough months it's not something in life, like if I have, like, let's say I have a shoulder surgery, well, it's something I'm going to have to take care of the rest of my life, right? It doesn't just go away because you had shoulder surgery. Um, it bothers me today. My shoulder had it done twice. Right. So I got to take care of it. I got to do the things that, you know, help it. It's the same thing with mental health. It's not like you just go once and you're done or whatever. It's something you have to work on every day. It, it, you really do. It's something that you have to work on, you know, your whole life. And, That's for all of us because we look at mental health differently than physical health. Well, if I want to, if I want to live long, I got to take care of my body. Right. Well, if I want to, you know, be good mentally, I got to take care of that too. So, you know, I know the things I need to do, get back into my programs, all that stuff. But you know what? I have a great life. Like, you know, I thought I was doomed. I I really did. I thought I was screwed. That's how I ended up on that mountain. And since then, Brady, and, and like yourself, I wrote a book I played in the NHL I broadcast in the NHL I coached in the NHL Um, I've gone on to do all these amazing things like mental health does not have to hold you back but it's like anything you got to take care of it right I mean if you if you don't I mean it's like it's like eating poorly well eventually your body's going to go you know yeah we're going to get fat and out of shape and right so you have to take care of it and I try and take care of mine as much as I can and You know what, some days I still struggle and that's okay. It really is because I know that I'll get back on the path to doing well because I know what to do because I've had treatment, right?
2: thank you for sharing that uh you know i can certainly i'll just speak for myself on this i can certainly relate the last couple months last week has been pretty pretty damn good but prior to that let me tell you man the darkest months i've had in three years since i started you know this podcast is really where it all started and kind of started on this journey so i appreciate you sharing that and it's important for people to know like you know we're here talking about our stories at different times you and myself but that doesn't mean that we have all the answers to that every day is great the whole point is is that you and I will likely struggle for the rest of our lives, but that's okay because it's not like it used to be.
3: And I still have a great life. And you know what, yeah. here's the other side, Brady, is when you do, and you'll say the same back to me, pick up the phone, call me, right? Like, that's that's how we all get through this. That's how we're gonna help each other. You know, we're gonna share, uh, if you're struggling at one point and I'm doing great, guess what, you know what, let's have a conversation and, and vice versa. Uh, I have buddies that if they haven't heard from me in three days, or they text me, and I, they'll text me, and go, "Hey, are you doing okay? Um, checking in because they know, right, that I struggle sometimes, and sometimes that gets me out of it because I know somebody cares. Mm. And that, that's all I need. I, I just need to know somebody cares, and then I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, let's go for a coffee or whatever, and then slowly I'll climb back out of it, right? But that's that's everyday life, man. And, and Brady, if you struggle hey you know you can call me and i'm sure you got people in your group that can that you can call it takes a village it it really does we all got to be there for each
2: other it does but that goes for you as well and and you know for me i found the greatest healing when you can find people who have walked a very similar path or going through like when it's relatable that lived experience for me has been, has been everything. And, um, you know, so certainly thank you so much for, for that and may take you up on it. So I'll probably Absolutely. text you, exactly. text you first, but, but likewise to you, um, I'll let you go here. I want to give a shout out to Daryl Sador too. Cause he, I know you wrote him, wrote about it in your book a little bit, but he actually called me a couple of weeks and, and awesome. was uh, extremely kind to me. And, um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be watching this or not, but, uh, just a, a great dude and, and somebody that helped you as well. So.
3: Well, the hockey family is a big one, my friend, and you know what? That's what I learned, right? It's a great, it's a great game, it, it's a great game, I,
2: the greatest game on earth. Uh, just quickly, we have a few comments. I'm not going to get to them all. I just have to get to uh, my dad's watching. I know he is. He's, he's been lucky. He's read he read your book. I think the day it came out, he's like, you got to read this. Looking forward to part two, three, four, and beyond. And he said, love the book. Get back on TV or radio. Um,
3: that's awesome. Tell them yeah. thank you. You know what and it goes back to another thing and I just say this before I go is that you know people think that well your your home life must have been something like you know, I had great parents. I had a great childhood. I had great everything. I, I you know I don't know it but like it it doesn't always go back to your your childhood, right? I mean things just happen in our lives and it's okay. Just go get the help, you know? Just go get the help and it sounds like your dad is very supportive, which is very cool.
2: Yeah, Dean Smeal. Little brother of Stan watching, too, says absolutely fantastic. I was the one that just came in. Shout out to Dino out there in St. Paul, Alberta. Corey, thank you so much. Go get your daughter uh, from you. the airport. And uh, I'm looking real forward to part two, and we'll dive into a little bit more about your story. But in the meantime, keep doing all the great work, and uh, call me anytime if you need me, brother.
3: Absolutely. You too, my friend. Thank you. All right, th- Thanks, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thank you.
2: That's Corey Hirsch. Unbelievable conversation. I'm pumped for part two. Wow. I'm telling you guys, you got to read his book. The Save of My Life, right there. It's available on Amazon or Audible. I listen to it times two speed, too. So try that little hack. Thank you to Corey Hirsch. Thank you to everybody for watching. Um, As promised, I'm going to give something away here. Just a quick message from uh, our friends Nick Kiprios and Doug McClain.
0: A hat. This is this was given to me by Brady Lebo, who started this group called Puck Support. And I'll tell you what, it's a great organization. Brady sent me this.
1: Uh, That's it, awesome.
0: For, this, I've been
1: on Brady's show.
0: Brady is uh, a kid that played uh, major junior hockey. Was with the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning for a short time. had had uh, some major drug challenges in his young career. And he's taken this upon himself to help families who have, who have had challenges and lost, lost young players because of mental health. This hat I have on has a logo on the inside of it with Todd Hewitt's name on it. Todd played for me in St. Yeah. Louis, and he That's had right. you know obviously we lost Todd a number of years ago. This T-shirt has oh my God, Bob Probert's name on the inside of it. And that's what they do with all the things. So, look, if you can check it out.
2: All right. Thank you to our friend Doug McLean, Nick Kiprios, both friends of the show. PuckSupport, pucksupport.com. Check it out. What else do I have to say? A couple things. We're going to do a giveaway here. Got this Puck Support hat here. We're going to give away in a moment. Maybe people want to play along. If you use the promo code HOPE, it's going to save you 15% off. PuckSupport.com. Got to think of a question. Come on, Brady. Get, get it together. While I'm doing that, I want to also say thank you to Darren Budd. And his family, the owners of DPB Delivery up here in Muskoka, also the owner of Edges Muskoka. If you've been following me on social media, you may have seen that I'm training uh, the next generation of young hockey players on the synthetic ice. And that is at Edges Muskoka. And for me, it's an absolute throwback. For people that have known me for a long time, and maybe you've known me for, I don't know, 20 years... You know that I used to train myself and then coach at a place called Puck Masters that was very much the same. And a lot of great memories uh, were created there. So I'm feeling like I'm thrown back in a time machine, if you will, being at Edges Muskoka. We'll see if anybody wants to win this Puck support hat. Got a question for you. What was the original name of my podcast? We'll see if anybody wants to win. I don't know who's who's watching, who's listening. Maybe nobody's going to call. 705-710-8545. What was my podcast called Once Upon a Time? Your chance to win a puck support hat. Maybe nobody's going to call. Who knows? This episode... Of course, though, proudly brought to you by the great people at True Temper Hockey. Without their support, I likely wouldn't be back on the ice, certainly not in the fashion that I'm in. Thank you to them. Looking forward to potentially getting down to the city to take in the IIHF Women's World Hockey Championships this week or next. We got a call. Hold on. Hello. Hey, Brady. hey, who's this? Hey, it's Trevor. Trevor, what's going on, buddy? Hockey to heroin. Hot. Ha- yeah. Well, you got it. It's hockey to heroin, the road to recovery. We'll give it to you anyways. We got it, Trevor. Shoot me a message. We'll get you this hat. We'll give you the horn a couple more times too. Way to go, Trevor. Thanks for playing along, buddy. All right. Thank you to Trevor for playing along. Close enough, hockey to heroin. We're, we'll go with that. That's what it was originally called, and I added the road to recovery after. Congratulations to Trevor. We got those. Uh, I had a I had a call come in on my cell phone, but uh, nope, not from him. From an Andrew Baird. He called the wrong number. I stopped giving out my cell phone number, Z. But you have it. Next time. Next time. We are going to be back next Monday. Not 100% sure who's going to be here. Could be Tyler Kennedy. Might be Corey Hirsch part two. Haven't quite dialed it in and I'm kind of glad just in case we can get Hershey back for part two right away next week. Uh, But just have a ton of guests lined up and just got to schedule it. There's Trevor right there. Trevor William. Congratulations. You're the winner for anybody coming to Muskoka this summer. For anyone coming to Muskoka this summer, or maybe you're looking for a place to go. I have no idea. And you or... Your child wants to get on the ice, wants to train. There may be an opportunity to do so this summer. In fact, there will be uh, with Muskoka Hockey, spearheaded by Sam Gagné. Been working closely with him and the great people of Muskoka Hockey behind the scenes getting ready for this summer. I'll be perfectly honest with you guys. I was in a meeting today I'm not going to get into the details of the meeting, but I was on Zoom. <laughs> Sam probably won't watch this or nobody from Muskoka might not watch this, but my phone was on a tripod and I had a I had a pad of paper kind of like this. And they were talking about some of the stuff that's going on in the summer and some of the people that are going to be on the ice this summer, some of the NHL players. And I was on mute and Jenna was sitting across the room, like doing something on her phone. And I had the book over my face like this. I was like, this is so fucking cool. I almost want to throw my phone against the wall because I'm so excited. The immense amount of gratitude that I feel to be doing all the things that I'm doing. This podcast, getting out there, sharing my story, back coaching hockey, Hell, even back playing hockey for that short period of time that I was, and and just even if it's men's league, just getting my skates on, like the friends that I have, family, like I'm just very grateful. And, and, you know, Corey Hirsch talked a little bit, not a ton. You're going to have to read his book to get more about his darkest times and, and the pain that he was feeling and just how grateful he is that, you know, he's still here. And I know there's unfortunately way too many people out there who are struggling at any given time who feel that pain, who want to escape that pain. In his book, we didn't get to it, but he talks about just getting through one more day, just one more day. So I'm going to ask you this in the name of Corey Hirsch from his book. Just one more day. If you're struggling, sometimes it's just one more day if you need help please please reach out get the help that you need but more importantly you deserve there should be no stigma attached to asking for help and there should be no stigma for having a mental illness I know what that feels like that's heavy for pretty much my entire life up until very recently I lived protecting all those dark, in quotation, secrets from everybody out of fear of judgment, out of fear of what people would think. And for me, like my disease got progressively worse and morphed into addiction. And then my addiction just spiraled so far out of control that guess what? All those people that I was worried about judging me, What do you think they were doing? Most of them when I was in addiction, just that. And on top of that, by keeping people in the dark, I never allowed people in. So how the hell was anybody ever going to help me? How was anybody ever going to understand? You are not alone. I repeat, you are not alone. There are resources, not a ton. I almost said a ton. There aren't a ton of resources. There's a lot. We need more but they're there. And they're more than anything, there's people that care. And I get a lot of messages on social media. I I unfortunately can't get back to all of them. I used to spend all day, every day, just answering messages. And as my following has grown, it's become unmanageable. So if you've messaged me and I haven't got back to you, please don't take it personally. Most days I'm just trying to get by too. And when I'm constantly on my phone answering messages. I'm not taking care of myself. I will, however, say that I promise I will do a better job at getting back to people, even if that means one day a week that I'll spend answering messages so that I get back to people in due time. Kendra Fisher and I talked about it on a live this morning, how she mentioned a friend of the show. You guys may follow me on social media, may follow her, hopefully both of us at mental health hockey at k fisher 30 but she talked about because she's been doing this work for a long time and she's just explaining like how she realized she can't be crisis intervention for people and i and i can't either like we're not we're not trained to do crisis intervention my hope through sharing my story is to connect with people but to make people feel like they're not alone so that they can find the strength so that they can ask for help seek help get help and find their own road, their own path to recovery. There's multiple people that I latched onto at different times, their stories, their ideas, their recovery, the way they spoke. At different times in my life, I would do that. And every time that I did that, I was trying to be somebody else I was not being true to myself. And all of our journeys are different. That doesn't mean we can't support one another but everybody's journey is different. Your path will be different than mine. I still do a terrible job at comparing myself to others. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. I think a lot of people are always comparing themselves to others and I do that. I do that as well, but your journey is unique. Don't give up on yourself. If something doesn't work the first time, keep fighting, keep seeking, find new support systems. If the support systems you have aren't working, if they're not supporting you, if your friends are not truly friends, maybe it's time to find new friends too. Like nothing changes unless it changes. And I'll go back to the podcast again. We've talked about it a lot on the show, but here tonight we talked about it. You must show up for your own recovery. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody is coming to save you. But guess what? There's some great news. You are so strong. You have more courage than you could ever imagine. And you're strong enough to save yourself. And sometimes that just starts by asking for help. And then following through and taking whatever course of action you need to, sometimes suggested to, in order to stay on that path of recovery. It's scary. Trust me, it's scary. It's tough too. Let me tell you, it's tough. But living in that pain, that darkness, feeling alone, that's way harder. It's way harder. Take a chance. If you're kind of on the fence or you're fearful to reach out and ask for help. And this could be going for people who have asked for help in the past. That's another thing. I was going to wrap this up, but I just got a little mini revelation. Cause I've been there. Like I've had relapses in the past, like not in three years, but so many times I tried to get better. And I would go to rehab and then I'd be doing well and then I relapsed. And I would be so scared to tell people. I would try to hide it because, oh, I can't tell people I relapsed. They would find out very quickly as my dad or anybody that was around could attest. I wasn't very good at hiding it. But if you've asked for help once, it's okay if you have to ask two, three, four, five, six, ten, 10, 100 times. Just don't give up. Just please. Please don't give up. Trevor Williams says, donate it to the gala talk when I'm down in Noah's house. We're going to be talking about this more in the near future. Trevor, I'm going to send it to you because we're going to donate some stuff to Noah's house anyway. So I want you to have this hat. But I'm going to be down in Windsor. Speaking at a charity gala that I'm super excited about for multiple reasons. First off, and not in any particular order, I'm excited because it's a, it's a 20s charity gala, gala. Sorry, I'm just trying to uh, send a quick message here. So I'm going to be speaking down there in Windsor. On May the sixth, I wanted to get the uh, I wanted to get the picture up here, but I couldn't. I couldn't get it. Oh, that's not it. Where'd it go? Right here. May the sixth in Windsor, twenties charity gala. Come out and support Noah's House in Windsor, which is a great organization down there in Windsor, supporting mental health uh, in memory of Noah Butcher Hagel. Thank you to Ty Lawrence for inviting me to be part of the the night. I'm I'm so, so, so excited to get down there. Tickets are still available. It's going to be one hell of a night. I can't wait to get down there. Dance. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? The big dilemma right now is I don't know how I'm going to wear my hair. If you have any suggestions, let me know. But until next Monday, stay kind. Always find gratitude. Subscribe. Turn on notifications. Tell your friends about it. Thank you for watching. And as always, have a great day if you so choose.
1: Hockey was my life rookie of the year. Swift as a bronco laid stuff in my gear the pain, when it's saying yearning for that buzz Twelve year journey through the depths of hell Criminal fentanyl, a struggle that fell Abused, confused, lost the shadow of who I once was Can't sleep, rest as we On the night of I need to get my life year back on track I used to toe-jack I'm like Wayne Gretzky And now I'm toe-testing homeless on Hastings In yeah, drugs drugs weren't, and the gang-notes The wrong kind of how to ride the light in sideboard ignoring how we fry our hands the hell and back with my recovery hero. can't sleep restlessly up all night adrenaline i on a beat need to get my life here back on track Emotions change, I can't stop crying. Send my reflection, no sense lying, But inspirations are getting Ill and back. Mental health over hockey. Gotta get people talking. Ignite the change of to change, the game is real, but the soul is lost. Changes from my former convictions. Now I live for the fuck addiction. I got honest to honor the ones we lost. Finally doing what I'm meant to do. Strap on your blades, you can follow.